Oftentimes, as creators, we are the sole producers of our content. From creative direction to filming, editing, and producing the content, we do it all. But today's guest, while being a super talented photographer and creator in his own right, has some very unique arrangements where he gets other talented creators involved in his brand projects to co-create his content. In this episode, we speak to Kyle Huber, an artist and creative director who has grown a following of almost half a million followers over at A Sense of Huber on Instagram. Kyle is known for his perspective play and color play in his ultra-creative content, as well as epic hyperlapses that he co-creates with another talented photographer, Tommy Lundberg. We chat about how he collaborates with other creators to make content that is one of a kind, and his experience working with global camera brands, airlines, and tourism boards. Let's get into it. And I think that's an important part of my path as an artist is just trying to always do something different, not getting stuck on the same idea or repeating myself or, you know, a lot of photographers will tend to have this style of work that they like to shoot and that does well on their page, whether it be the mountains or the beach or sunset photos and their work doesn't evolve. Yeah. And I've watched their profiles and their posts over the years. For, of course, I still follow and support them, but a lot of the photographers don't really evolve. They, they right. just stick to what they know how to do and they just keep posting that same stuff every yeah. day and becomes monotonous and repetitive in a lot of ways. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. So, first of all, I know that you went to school for graphic design, is that right? Yeah, I went to school for my graphic design degree at the Kansas City Art Institute. Right, right. And after that, you were working as a graphic designer for a while before you started Instagram? That's right. Yeah, I did a lot of uh, like digital graphic art. I had a few jobs working for different mobile app companies. I worked for a packaging design company. I did graphic design for a children's TV channel called mm. the Hub Network. Yes, yes. And I thought that was fun because it had Hub those three letters are in my last name. So that was a proud job moment. But after a year of working there, I realized that I really wanted to be a photographer. And that's what I was spending all of my time doing. Even while I was at work, I was constantly looking at Instagram and yes. creating photos and editing and planning my grid and trying to, you know, just network with other photographers. And so that was back in the time of Instagram meetups. Like 2015? Yeah, 2015. 14, mm. you know, early on. And I started meeting up with other photographers and creatives in Los Angeles and just kind of built out my friend base and found a lot of like-minded people yeah. trying to do what I was doing or, you know, we were all figuring it out as it got started. And then, you know, as being an influencer became a thing, you know, I realized, all right, I guess that's what I am. And yeah, would you consider yourself an influencer or more of a content creator or something else? Well, I always say I'm an artist first. Yes. You know, I'm, I think of myself as an artist. I make money as an advertiser. And because of those two things, it is an influencing situation. You, you know? are an artist through and through, in my mind, also like a creative director. And we can touch upon that later because you have a lot of different ways of creating your content. Mm -hmm. But let's go back to like the 2014-15 era. Okay. Were you just posting photos? And is that how you were able to grow your following then? Like what was the rough trajectory? I mean, it all started when I got the iPhone, whenever that was. My first iPhone is when I realized that I could take pictures. And I started going on all kinds of hikes and exploring LA. Mm. It, you know, I had moved here just a few years before and I was still, everything was new to me and I was excited and I had the motivation to get out and just shoot all the time. Whereas now I feel like I only work, I only go to shoot if it's for work. And there's less just going out and having fun seeing what pictures I might end up with. And now it's a whole about, okay, I have to get this. I have to get that. Yes. And it's a lot more controlling, but I think I've put in the time and done all the fun stuff in the past. I feel like I've taken every photo I could take in LA. And at this point, you know, there's not as much free time, but I guess it's a good thing that I'm, I'm busy working. But when I first got the iPhone, I was addicted to taking pictures. I just remember photographing everything, just constantly using my phone to take videos and yeah. time lapses. And I was curious about 
going to all these new locations and national parks and really put my time in around California. And that is how I started to get better content, you know, just going to cooler places. You know, my eye for composition was there from graphic design, but there's so many things you have to learn as a photographer. Yeah. You know, editing is crucial. You know, anyone can take that photo, but what you do with it in post-production is where the real magic happens. Absolutely. So did you start with just posting photos or were you doing videos from the very beginning? Because you well, mentioned timelines. I mean, as soon as they released videos on Instagram, I started using them. Wow. But before that, I was just posting pictures and trying to figure out my style. There was a lot of that process of just like going through my photos and trying to find a consistent theme or, mm -hmm. you know, that was back in the days of when I was really interested in just different types of photography, playing with perspective. I got really into what I've called a sense of perspective. And that's just me using foreground, background objects that interact with each other to, you know, create this illusion or play on perspective. And I did that a lot with my hands, just like yes. picking friends up in the distance or touching landmarks or, yeah. I mean, I did so many of those kind of perspective photos and people liked them and it was creative, I guess. And not a lot of other photographers that I was following was doing that. Yes. And then the other big, like and something interesting about my backstory was the Turtle Tuesday series that I did because that really got me a lot of attention on Instagram in the early days, probably around 2013, 14, 15, 16, I was posting pictures of my baby pet turtles that I had got. Oh. Um, I picked them up at Chinatown. They were a dollar a piece. And I was addicted because they were so cute and they made such good little pets. <laughs> and I ended up with eight of them at one point. Wow. But they've all moved on to ponds and relocated them to different different places. And that was a fun phase for me because it was a challenge to always come out with a new photo every week. You know, I, I, like I said, I, I took these turtles everywhere. And after a while, I was like, okay, I've gone there. I've gone there. We've had that picture. You know, how can I keep these original and fresh feeling every week? And I think that's an important part of my path as an artist is just trying to always do something different yes, and yes. not getting stuck on the same idea or repeating myself or, you know, a lot of photographers will tend to have this style of work that they like to shoot and that does well on their page, whether it be the mountains or the beach or sunset photos. And but then they, they don't evolve much. Yeah, they, their work doesn't evolve. Yeah. And I've watched their profiles and their posts over the years. For, of course, I still follow and support them, but a lot of the photographers don't really evolve. They, they right. just stick to what they know how to do and they just keep posting that same stuff every yeah. day and it becomes monotonous and repetitive in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, you know, the creative energy you get from trying something new and pushing yourself further is what I've always chased and been drawn to. And the turtle thing went on for as long as I could possibly do it. And were the I, turtles part of your perspective play? Is that how they were part of it? I did some forced perspective with the turtles, but it was more of just like, you know, holding the turtle up in front of a cool location, oh. you know, like the turtle adventures. I never saw that part of your content. Oh. Yeah, I actually started following you when you were doing some really cool like hyperlapses that would go in and out of different places and gotcha. time lapses that you did with Tommy. Yeah. And I was like, this is incredible. And I saw like the play on perspective too. And I was like, wow, this guy's a genius. And the name was really cool too, like a sense of humor. The play on your handle name is really creative as well. And so that's when I started following you. But also you really stood out because you're one of the first people to do just really a lot of video on Instagram where they were really creative before reels were ever a thing, before Instagram was trying to push video. So that was definitely unique as well. Yeah, and it's interesting because as video has become so popular on social and TikTok and all these other apps that promote short form content and people are good at it. Yeah. People are really good at making edits and using their phone to pull out, pull off some incredible VFX and transitions. And there's just a lot of talent out there. And the more I saw that becoming popular on TikTok and then on Instagram reels, I realized that there was this constant copycat syndrome going on mm -hmm. where every person was that was getting views was taking that idea from somebody else and re yes. recreating it almost to a T. Yes. You know, whether it be the dance videos or just different VFX videos that have been popular over the years, you know, and they'll, you'll see a trick and then you'll recreate it using that exact same formula. Yeah. And I just never wanted to do that. I never thought like, I never see something and say, 
oh, I got to do that exactly. Let me go recreate it right away. My idea would be, that's cool, but how could I make it better? Or how could I make it more unique or different in a way? And that's how Tommy works too. And that's Absolutely, how we get yeah. along so well. And yeah, I met Tommy at an Instameet about, I guess, six or seven years ago. He came to it. It was in Santa Monica. He had just moved to LA. He didn't really have any friends or any creative networking. He didn't have any connections yet as far as being an artist here in LA. Mm -hmm. And he was working at Whole Foods and just really liked my Instagram and was drawn to the creativity and the things that I was trying to do. Or And he would come, he came to this event and introduced himself. And I think right away we started making something together. Wow. And we really hit it off. Yeah. And I think I had a job shortly after that and I needed help. And I was like, who am I going to hire? I need to get somebody that can help. And this was before he was doing hyperlapses. Mm -hmm. uh, but we collaborated on a project and then we went on a trip together. And honestly, the rest is history. We yeah. have just, it's been nonstop Tommy and I working on big jobs now yeah. for six years. The synergy is amazing. When you guys come together, when two great creative minds come together and with your attention to detail and also how meticulous it is, it just produces the most amazing work. And of course, we're going to put up examples here. But for anybody who is listening to this on the podcast, I really recommend you either go check out their profiles on Instagram or watch the YouTube video for this so that you can get some visual context because it's another level of dedication to edit to that much detail and and with that much of perfection to the video. So I think that's really what makes your content stand out. So it sounds like you really got started just by creating by yourself, but then you met a community on Instagram. And nowadays we see that you work a lot with Tommy, who is an incredible photographer and he's known for his hyperlapses mm -hmm. that you often do with him. So how did you and Tommy actually meet? Yeah. Well, I should also mention that when I first got into Instagram and you know when the following started to grow and when I became so addicted that I was posting at least once a day I was constantly creating and meeting with people from LA and trying to collaborate well there was a guy named Andrew Cutler mm -hmm. and Andrew and I worked together at the very beginning of all this and we made so much stuff together he was my go-to helper on everything and we would just always come up with funny ideas and we enjoyed creating together for a while and then we kind of had a falling out you know We've reconnected since then, but we haven't worked together since then. Mm. Uh, and as soon as he kind of fell out of my creative life and whatnot, I met Tommy. Mm. And he kind of filled that gap and and then some. He really pushed me forward and helped elevate my work. He mm -hmm. took it to another level. One thing I think is very unique about your content and also a big reason why I really wanted to get you on to chat about it is because you are very collaborative with everything you do. In fact, we had the opportunity to collaborate together and it worked out really well. It, like people really liked it as well. And I have to give you all the credit for that because you did all the editing and the directing. I was just the model. I was just changing outfits, which... <laughs> Apparently I'm good at, but that, that's all I contributed for that reel. So you can go check that out as well. But what I really love is how you actually invite all different kinds of creators to collaborate. Is that just a, because you wanted other creatives to brainstorm together with, to create with? Like, how did that even come about? I mean, I think it just comes down to what I was saying about not wanting to do the same thing twice mm. and always being inspired by other people. I mean, I'm, I always have been supportive of the community and yeah. tried to show love to people that inspire me and have cool work and are doing things different. And those tend to be the people that I hire. And it all kind of starts with this mutual connection on on Instagram where yeah. we're both following and supporting each other. And then I get a job offer and I'm like, okay, well, he does really cool VFX work. I need to have him help me edit this video. Or my friend Colin, he flies FPV drones. And that's something I can't personally do, regardless of how long I tried to learn. It's just one of those things that I, I'm not good at. And I need, I was inspired by FPV footage and the videos I saw people doing. And I thought I need to hire this guy. I need to have that. I need to try that out for my work. And now we've worked together, I guess, four jobs coming up on five this weekend. Wow. And I do still want to get more creative with FPV footage. I think there's, you know, a lot of creative opportunities to use transitions and do things other than just a really cinematic flight. Yeah. I, you know, I see a lot of drone pilots doing epic flights, but there's still some creative 
freedom that could come from that. So yes. we'll see what happens. Maybe there's not enough of a theme or a storyline to their drone mm-hmm. flights, even though they are super yeah, epic. Like I like to put concept into what I yes, create. Yes. And whether that be with matching colors, you know, with whatever shirt I'm wearing, it may be the, the brand color that I'm partnering with. I tend to do that a lot. You know, just the little details that, you know, add to the overall presentation. It's, I guess, the graphic design background where you're visually communicating and you're taught to portray a message or, you know, express some sort of emotions or feelings. And that's what being creative comes down to is doing it in a way that is different, but also, you know, accomplishes something. Yes. In this current culture of like the influencer world and content creator world, there's just so much copying. And people think that we need to hop on trends in order to grow or whatever. But then it turns into just a whole lot of like copycats where there's very little originality. But it's great that because when you work with other creators, then there's very little chance for you to just end up copying because you have two creative minds coming together and you'll come up with something completely unique. Even when we worked together, we did have like a reference video of someone doing a cool transition, Mm -hmm. but what we created was totally different to their video and nobody would ever look to that and be like, oh yeah, you are copying them. And I think that's a point of creating. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to respect too. It's like if somebody else came up with something that was new and which is very hard to do, Mm -hmm. uh, something that you hadn't seen before, you know, either you give them credit that you're using their idea or you try to make it different enough where you don't need to give them credit. Yeah. Yeah. So when you work with these creators, you've worked with an FPV guy, VFX, Tommy for hyperlapses and are there many others? Yeah, there's some others, just different people who helped me film and capture stuff. My friend Andrew Optics has been a big help in a lot of my projects. You know, there's just people that are good at certain things. And if you have those abilities, if you have those tools in your tool belt, then you get better results. And, you know, if it's a, if I'm doing a job for Sony where I need somebody that really like knows the camera and can dial in super sharp shots and get all of the settings right, I can count on somebody like Andrew because he's an expert. Yeah. You know, and I've worked with so many different creators. I used to work with this girl, Tiffany Penguin, and she's an amazing travel photographer. She's so good. And, you know, just our paths have kind of gone in different ways. We haven't worked together in a long time, but some of my favorite work came from those collaborations, uh, different trips that we went on together. Yeah. So in terms of those collaborations, I'm sure people might be curious, how do you get the pay? Is it dependent on the project? Is it dependent on the person, what they want? Or is it just you treat them as another personality on that campaign? Yeah, I think each job's a bit different because some budgets are bigger and when the budgets are bigger, then more I can afford to pay the help. But if it's something like a tourism campaign where I'm making this long minute hyperlapse video, I know how much effort it takes Tommy to help me create. So I'll split the budget with him evenly. And, you know, that's it takes a lot to do that because a lot of people will hire an assistant and pay them 10 percent or 20 percent of their total budget. But I feel like he deserves it because of how hard those things are to make and how many grueling hours he spends in front of his computer pixel. You know, it's like this is hard work. It's there's no easy way to do it. And that time is value and time is money. So, yeah. Speaking of that, can we talk about the process? You just posted a reel for American Airlines, right? You went to New Zealand for this press trip and it's an epic, epic video. It's like one minute long and it just keeps going on and it keeps blowing your mind. And I read in the comments that it took you 25 hours to edit that. Is that right? No, 200. Wait, 200. 200. Oh, you know what? The why I said the number 25 was I was like, okay, 200 hours divided by eight. That's 25 days. Oh, yeah. So it's 25 days of full time editing work yeah wow it's about three a little over three weeks of work to get that one done but that's a combined effort because i edit all the frames in lightroom so i take all the files from the memory cards and i go through lightroom and i have to adjust a lot of the frames you can't just copy and paste the same edit on all of them because every scene is different Mm -hmm. and a lot of times if he's like changing his position in the frame you know if he's orbiting around me or he's going into an object or coming out of an object the exposure is going to change and those photos have to be tweened carefully from one frame to the next so that you can't see the brightness shifting so much. That's done manually by you? So I go through and each sequence, I have to make sure all the frames have a consistent, you know, make sure there's no flickering or there's, especially like when we're going through the forest or there's certain parts of the video where there was a lot of lighting changing happening throughout his path, his movement 
So that all has to be adjusted. And mm. then I export all those frames and then we build them into PSBs, which are like a larger format yeah. Photoshop document because these files are, are too big to save a normal Photoshop file. But then we take, I take the PSBs and I load all the images into like a sequence. And then I save that and I give that sequence to Tommy. Mm. And then he goes in and does the tricky part, which is manually moving frame by frame each image and he d you have to scale a lot too because if you want my body to stay the same exact um. size and we're moving together in a path you know he may have stepped a little further back than me on each one so he has to scale every photo right. rotate it wiggle right. it and it's just a very meticulous thing it is but then once he gets through multiple sequences, we start to stitch them together with the transitions that we planned. And yeah, it took those take hundreds of hours. We did one for Qatar and that one took over 300 hours easily. Yeah, another and epic video. So then there's the sound design that we work on together. The music selection is always a process. You know, we go through a lot of different songs and we try to find one that has the right vibe or has moments where it hits just right on a moment in the video. And yeah, it's, it's just a, there's a lot of components to it because you also don't have, you don't think about the planning while we're shooting. We go through, we have like an ongoing notepad on our phone while we're creating these videos mm. so that each time we collect a new scene or a new segment, you know, it's a piece of this big puzzle that we're putting together and we have to plan a transition to get from every single scene to the next scene. So we try to keep track of it as much as we can while we're on the field or on the trip. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes we get pretty much everything figured out. And then there's some loose ends we have to figure out afterwards while we have all the scenes stabilized. It comes down to like, where is this one part going to fit in? You know, and hopefully there's a creative way to tie these these things together. Yeah. And we usually figure out a way. Like I said, Tommy is a brilliant guy and I couldn't do any of this without him. He really pushes my work further. And, you know, we've done these hyperlapses for five years at wow. least, and we're still coming up with a different way to do it and approach the camera path or the transition moments. We say this isn't going to be possible forever we are running yeah, out yeah. of ideas so <laughs> and that, that's a tricky thing so what kyle just explained really blew my mind when he first told me about how they created these hyperlapses mm -hmm. so basically tommy does it all handheld and he will take the photos on his camera handheld and then once you edit the coloring and all of that he will go in in photoshop and cut out you as a subject and then match each picture so that it all matches up together and it's extremely seamless, right? Yeah, so there are certain paths that are harder than others yeah. when editing. If it's a forward-moving path, and the background is shifting a lot, he'll first stabilize the frame so that the background is smooth. And then my body is naturally not going to be perfectly centered. So he'll right. have to cut my body out, move me over left and right, and then fill in the background behind me that of information yes. that's not there. Yes, He has to create that information using the clone tool and all that. And from frame to frame to frame, you have to make it look as consistent as possible so that that made up background information isn't moving all over the place. That's insane. That still blows my mind when yeah. you explain that to me. There's a lot of hyperlapses that don't require that at all. Like yeah. the orbiting ones usually don't need that because the background is never, it, it doesn't need to look still. I see. Yeah. So that's the main factor in that is if the background needs to look like it's not moving around. <laughs> yeah, that is incredible work. And that just kind of shows you how meticulous it is too. And even though you say like, oh, we're running out of ideas, I really do feel like every time you guys do a project together, it's still always unique. And there's always something a little bit new added to the mix here. But yeah, that's the goal for sure. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it would be repetitive and start to feel old but i don't know i just that's not what we have in our bones We're, we don't operate like that we're just trying to and that's why i like using drones and different types of cameras the 360 camera you know they just give you a new tool to push yourself with and mm. really just it's always an experiment yes all of these things that we do it, it's like can i figure this out will this work yeah. And am I doing it the right way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have done a lot of these like press trips and brand deals, maybe collaboratively or alone. Are there any really memorable ones that you like that you have done? I'd say the best collaborations, the best jobs have been with tourism companies. Oh, and okay. Also with Expedia, for example. You know, they just, they're clients that bring you to new places. It incorporates travel, which I always think gives me like a blank. It's a blank canvas that you can create with and 
going to a new city is inspiring because you're not you're not used to seeing those locations. You don't know what you're going to find. Yeah. And I get a lot of pleasure out of traveling. I love seeing new places. So, for example, I worked with Qantas Airlines and I don't even know what year that was a while back. And I went to Australia for two weeks and it was just an amazing solo trip. The person that was going to go with me at the last minute couldn't get their visa to travel and it forced me to go alone. And that pushed me out of my comfort zone because all of the traveling I had done was always with somebody. I always had help helping operate the camera or flying the drone or whatever. So the Australia trip was very eye-opening because it gave me a chance to create by myself and it put me, put all the pressure on my shoulders. Like how much can I possibly do alone? I'm over here on the other side of the world by myself, driving on the other side of the road, yes. trying not to kill myself, but trying to make awesome content. And it's not easy to do alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, props to people that use a tripod and take their self portraits because, you know, I felt like I had to pull out all my tricks from the bag for that one, you know, and the other projects that I really enjoy are with DJI. Mm. They're my favorite client. I've worked with them for, I guess, five or six years now. I remember so badly wanting to get noticed by them when I first started flying a drone. And then a couple of years later, I, I finally got on their radar and started getting hired for campaigns. And yeah. Some of my favorite work has come from that as well. There was a top-down drone hyperlapse that Tommy and I made together for the DJI Spark probably 2016. And we did a frame, we did our traditional hyperlapse work using a drone. So I was laying centered in all these different locations and he would hover over me like three feet above me, take a picture, six feet above me, take a picture, nine feet above me, take a picture and go all the way up pretty high. So we have all the individual photos that then we would stabilize and turn it into a video. And that one was really satisfying. It took us all around California We went to Lake Tahoe, San Francisco, Laguna Beach, just all kinds of cool places. And that one turned out really satisfying and performed better than anything I had ever posted at the time. Wow, yeah. You you mentioned that you got them to notice you. What do you mean by that? How do you actually get brands to reach out to you? Quick break from this podcast episode. If you've been wanting to monetize your Instagram, then I have good news for you. We created a free guide to cover the 11 ways you can make money on Instagram and we put it all into a free downloadable PDF called the Ultimate Instagram Monetization Guide. This guide doesn't just list out the ways to monetize but also shares tips, links and resources to help you get started with each income stream. Head to fulltimeinfluencer.co slash monetize with a Z or use the link in this episode description to download it today. Now back to the episode. Well, I guess just supporting what they post and, Mm. you know, commenting on the things that they were putting up and tagging them in my videos, tagging them in my pictures. There was a lot of that back in the day. You know, it was a lot of like wanting to get my name out there, I guess. I was actively trying to get noticed by the brands that I liked. And Sony fell into my lap. I met some, I met a photographer that was working with Sony to create a collective of photographers. And I got lucky to be one of the original 12 Mm. that they signed to be the ambassadors of Sony. So I had just got the camera like six months before and wow. still figuring it out. And next thing I know, I'm on a road trip with Sony. And, you know, that relationship has been ongoing for all these years since then. And I love it. I mean, we have such a good community of photographers. Sony has built this organization and this group of creators that have an influence. They all have a platform and they're just super talented. And yeah. we get together at these events that they put together and it's it's the best time because you're surrounded by people that do exactly what you do and well they have their own style of course but they're just you're all kind of nerds nerding out together you know you all love sony sony has the best community and also just obviously amazing camera gear hit me up sony because i've been your loyal customer for years now hit this girl up (laughs) but nowadays are brands just all reaching out to you on their own and do you ever have to do any outreach at all I feel like I'm pretty fortunate because I don't have to reach out to brands. I haven't had to since back then. Like, wow. as soon as the work started coming, it yeah. never stopped. And, mm. and I feel lucky that there are ongoing clients like Sony and DJI because those are camera products. Those are directly, directly related to the work that I'm making already. And I have so many ideas for flying drones. And so every time I get a new campaign from DJI, I'm like, okay, now which one am I going to do? Because I have this back pile of concepts that I've thought of and just different ways to use the drone. And 
I've experimented with shadow play a lot yes. in the past couple of years. But now that I'm working on this new campaign for a drone that's launching Friday, so it's top secret, but I decided I was not going to do shadow play this time. And I wanted to focus on more cinematic style content that doesn't rely on the top down drone perspective. I've experimented and played with that a lot and I will come back to it, but it's important to not repeat yourself too much, especially yeah. in brand work. I'm yeah, sure they were right. like, yeah, that's cool, but. Do you have any other ideas? Yes. So That's a great tip. So if you are an influencer or a content creator that's been around for a while and you have repeat clients, obviously it's because they like your professionalism, they love your content, and they see the value in working with you. But it's also important to be able to innovate every time and come up with new concepts or new ideas so that you can breathe fresh air into their content and their brand, right? So that they would want to continually hire you as well. Yeah, and a lot of brands don't know what they want. Mm. They know they like your work and they yeah. have seen you post other things that are successful and perform well, but they don't want exactly that. You know, yes. they they don't know what they want yet. And that's your job as the, the artist and the creator to come up with something that is refreshing and made, you know, it's not what they ever had dreamed of, but they love it because it's different and it's unique to your style. Isn't that the best when brands trust you with your vision yeah. and then they just give you free reign to do whatever you want? Yes. I mean, th there is some beauty in a set of guidelines, like yeah. just to get you started. A general creative brief is helpful, but when it is controlling of exactly what you have to capture, it can be very difficult. I mean, mm -hmm. I've had blind job offers come in where they reach out with these specific themes of what they wanted. One was a, a cell phone brand wanting night hyperlapses. Yeah. They wanted night portraits and creative night portraits and night hyperlapses with their phone. And I was like, well, I've never shot a hyperlapse at night, yet alone with a mobile phone. And I, I don't do portraits. Yeah. And I don't really do portraits. It's like, give me your phone and let me experiment with yeah. it and see what I can come up with. Yeah. And create something that, you know, I, what I try might not work. But, you know, signing a contract to make a night hyperlapse when I've never even touched the product doesn't work for me because I can't guarantee it's going to be a success or turn out, mm -hmm. you know, in high enough quality or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. I like when the job is more open-ended and DJI has always been like that. Yeah, they want me to show off features of the drone and different updates or upgrades that the new product has. But that can be talked about in your, your caption. But, you know, for example, if they do have something that's a really important feature, you have to work that into your, your concept so that it comes across that that's what the selling point is of that product. Yes, absolutely. I mean, advertising is, I feel like I'm a marketing agency, yes. an advertiser. You know, there's so many aspects of being an influencer, mm -hmm. especially when you're trying to make something you haven't made before. You mm -mm. Know? Yes. I really think that our roles isn't just really like being in front of the camera. It's more like a creative director. You have to think about what the final result is. And you're also HR because you're hiring your own people to work for you yeah. and then come up with the final result. And you're admin because you're the one negotiating with the brand, right? Yeah. So much of the communication and emailing takes so long. You yeah. spend half your day writing emails. Do you do that Just, yourself? Yeah, I do it all myself. You know, I don't really have a manager. I've never had one. For a couple jobs, I was represented by different managers per se. And those were like larger budget Coachella jobs and things mm. like that. And I liked that I had an, a manager for those, but generally it's just me working with the agency and then the brand is on the other side of it. So the agency is the middleman that I have to communicate with. Very rarely are you actually talking to the people at the brand. Yeah. So. Do you think it's necessary to have a manager? Is that something you would ever consider? Uh, here's my feeling on it. If you have to communicate with somebody to then let them communicate with somebody else, I'd rather just communicate directly to the agent mm -hmm. because I would want to be in the loop and know exactly what's going on and be involved in the conversation. That's just how it's worked for me for all these years. I can't imagine just letting somebody else doing all of the negotiating and, you know, I have to adjust contracts a lot because I'll catch things that just don't work for me or they yeah. didn't make sense or they're expecting too much. Or yeah. So there's just a lot of logistics that have to be fine-tuned and having a manager just seems like it would be an extra step. Right. Sure, it would make my life easier in some ways, but I'm kind of one of those control freaks that likes to do it all. 
Yeah, and they take 20%. So if you already know very well how to negotiate, whether that's negotiating down the deliverables or negotiating up the budget, then perhaps you don't really need the manager, especially if you like to be in control of the conversation. Yeah, and that being said, I have lots of creator friends that have managers and love it. I mean, yeah. there's a certain type of people that don't want to do all the communicating and, and don't enjoy the emailing. And as long as it takes, I think I'm the type of communicator that prefers to do it myself. Mm -hmm. I recently just started a trial period with a management company. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty excited because they came highly recommended from a friend that I really love who's another influencer. So we'll see how that goes. But cool. I am the type that is very bad at responding to email. I would leave it on red for like a week and then just not respond. So for people like me that's probably where it comes in more handy, where they can help ease the workload yeah. and the admin work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like to be involved with it just so that I know exactly what's going on. And it has created tension. I mean, especially when you're mm. chasing down your paycheck and yeah. you're trying to get, trying to figure out why they're not, they haven't paid you and it's been net 30 days, then my tone changes, you know, then it's like, okay, now I'm, now I have to go into like full business mode and get that money. <laughs> How do you chase money outstanding? I mean, it's very rare that it happens, but I, I'll tell you the agencies, I probably worked with 25 brands this year in 2022 and almost all of the clients, well, the agent, they wait until the very last day of the net 30 or the net 45 yes, to pay. Yes. Whether they have that money ready to send yes. you after you give them your invoice or not, they wait till the very last second. Yep, that's and right. so I, it's very rare. I'll say that DJI is the fastest paying client I've ever had. They, as soon as I send my invoice, they process it. It could be a week later and I get paid. Mm -hmm. So I respect that. And I've even told brands like agents, I guess I haven't told the brand. I've told the agencies like, you know, I really appreciate it when I get paid promptly because it shows a lot of respect to the person that did all the hard work here. Yeah. Like I spent 200 hours on that video and now you're going to make me wait 45 days, even though you have that money now. That's not very respectful. <laughs> and you have to pay the people that you work with in particular. Yeah, I have to pay people out and I don't want to make them wait. So yeah, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that's part of the game. It's part of the system and you have to, the larger the brand, the bigger the, the budget, the longer it takes to get paid. Yeah. Speaking about budget, do you think you can share with us what your highest paying brand deal was? Like not what it was, but just how much it was? Maybe excluding like the corporate types. Like the Netflix thing. Yeah. I mean, I think my biggest job was 36000 Wow. Yeah. For one video? For three videos. Oh, wow. But together, when it's grouped together, you've probably done like single videos for more. But when you group it together, yeah. then it get, becomes like a better rate per video yeah. for the client. Exactly. And with the stop motion hyperlapses, we've kind of like established a going rate for those. Yeah. And so I know what Tommy will and will not do it for. And there's no making one minute hyperlapse videos for $4,000 anymore. Yeah. No. no. That's just not possible. It has to be at least $20,000. Yeah. So that me and Tommy are splitting that and we're making enough money to cover our time during mm -hmm. that. And those jobs tend to get us more work. So yeah. it's kind of a win-win. I love posting branded content. You yeah. know, I, I get excited about the ads that I make because they're the ones I work the hardest on. Yes. It's easy to take pretty photos. It's easy to, you know, hit the algorithm right with a sunset photo. But the concepts and the videos that I put all of my time and effort into for weeks, those are the ones that are usually for a brand and I can't wait to share it. Like yeah. I'm anxious and I, I'm always, it's like that, you know, a dopamine rush is greater when it's something that took longer to make. Yes, I love that. I love that you said you love your brand deal posts because most people hate it. Most people are just doing it because like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get paid for this. And so I'm just going to make something okay. And I know it's going to bomb. Yeah. So I'm just going to like close my eyes and hope that it does okay. Yeah. Well, but I think you're you, like excited. I think if you're an advertiser, you need to be proud of what you're yes. creating. And if it's just a cop-out job and you didn't put any time or thought into it, I could see why you wouldn't care. But I think about every single detail yeah. about these projects from the second I get approached, you know, the American Airlines thing, I found out about that several months ago. And since then, I've been figuring out, okay, what are we going to do different when we're in New Zealand? What creative transition can we try? You know, right away, I'm thinking about concepts. And yeah. there's so much time and communication that goes into every one of those jobs. So as soon as I press post, it's like, whew, all right, we are good to go. How much research do you have to do beforehand? Like research on the, like the location. Um, luckily with tourism brands and like airlines and jobs like that, 
the locations are usually part of their duty. Like they put together the itinerary and then I sign off on it. Like when we worked with Visit California this year, I suggested a bunch of locations. Then they got back to me saying, yeah, none of those are going to work because they're not really what we need advertised. Yes, yes. Yosemite doesn't need any more tourists. Lake Tahoe doesn't really need any more tourists. But Lassen Volcanic National Park up in Shasta County could really use some visitors. So it's like, all right, well, then I guess I'm going there. And then, yeah, I looked up all the locations that they they wanted me to cover. And when you work with tourism, it's very important that you go to the places that they they need coverage of. That's where they're hiring you. Yeah. You know, if you work with Arizona, some of those locations there, like Sedona, we weren't allowed to cover because Sedona Mm. is too popular. Mm. And so you got to kind of just follow what the brand needs. They are a brand after all. So Fortunately, they turned out to be really unique places, especially the Visit California trip. Yeah, I was presently surprised by the locations that California sent us to. Yeah, My profile says Missouri raised California amazed. And I've had that in my profile forever because it's so true. It's like, you know, I was raised in the Midwest and I'm, you know, blown away by the beauty that California has. There's so many places to discover. I've lived here for 12 years and I'm still finding out about national parks in this state that I'd never even been to or heard of. And, you know, that's inspiring. It's like this is this state has endless opportunity for content and for exploring road trips. Yeah. Yeah. So it's incredible. That was a kind of a dream client working with California. Yes. It's like this has been my brand. My style is like SoCal, colorful. You are. uh, Yeah. You're the perfect embodiment of like (laughs) California content, but in the most creative way. So that was just the perfect brand deal for you, I think. Yeah. And took that long to get noticed or recognized by them to a point where they would hire me. Yeah. But no, it's great. And once I got into the tourism realm of being a creator, it kind of was refreshing because I did I did so many product-based campaigns where it was like, advertise this alcohol bottle, advertise this t-shirt or these clothes or just so many things that didn't really take me places. Mm. I'd have to take the product places in order for it to work. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And it's like, now I'm just holding up this object or this product in front of a pretty location. Whereas when you're promoting a destination, then it's not about a product at all. The location is the product. Yeah. And there's so much that you can get creative with. There's no limit to what you can do with the location. Right. Is there a brand that you've been dying to work with or you really want to work with, but you haven't worked with yet? Or you've pretty much worked with them all? Well, I would say Apple because, oh. you know, this iPhone is what made my career get yeah, going. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that that's a dream client for a lot of people. But last year I was contacted to do a campaign for them and spent two months of my time working on it only for them to tell me that they scrapped the whole project. Yeah. And they didn't pay me a dime. And oh, it was no. all a big waste of my time. So I'm kind of over that. I wouldn't really care if they reached out today because I would a demand a ton of money because they're a very picky client and it's a ton of work. So that, that isn't really a dream anymore. Mm-hmm. I would say working for like Nike or yeah. I don't know. I, I've worked for the brands that I would like to work with. Yeah. DJI, Sony, like those are ones that I wanted to at first. And once it started happening, I don't take it for granted because yeah, those yeah. are, those are, those are awesome brands to have on my side. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm surprised by some of the brands that reach out. It's, they come out of left field. It's mm. like, what? <laughs> like, how did you find me? Why am I a good fit? Yeah. But it's, it's all about the creativity in the end. So then from here, do you plan to continue this path, like working with brands in the foreseeable years? Do you have any future plans to go into other platforms or do other types of income streams? That's a good question. I feel like you do such a good job about like expanding your business. You know, you obviously make awesome creative videos. And before that, your photos were always jaw dropping and just the color palettes and the themes that you would create. Your feed is always so impressive. So I feel like you're a good example or a good role model for how I should take my business and career to another level. You know, I could do podcasts. I could Mm do lessons, tutorials. There's a lot of things that I could do to help other people. But my challenge is that I don't have time. Mm. I'm always working on my next project. And I have five projects right now that I'm trying to juggle. Five. And it's like, which one do I do first? They all are due in the next month. Where do I begin? And so time is limited. I don't know how people like you find 
the you, you have notes and storyboards and scripts for all these things that you do and it's just so impressive because it's like how does your brain not get fried yeah it does get fried actually <laughs> my brain is constantly fried but one thing that i did do was i took a step back from brand deals for a while mm-hmm. uh, so that i didn't have the pressure to keep up with engagement and also being very consistent on the feed because you know to post brand deals you at least also want like a, a few organic posts in between right. so it's not and that's all hard brand to do deals. It's hard it to is. get those in-between posts up yeah. for me. It's like, because I think I spend at least a day on every post. Yeah. I mean, even if it's just a series of photos, I spend all day working on it. So there's no just like, let me just throw up a quick post. Yeah, yeah. It, it just doesn't work like that anymore. And I look back like, how was I able to post every day? Now I'm lucky if I could post once a week. Yes, that, me too, actually. But what I can suggest is maybe you just take your best performing post from like two or three years ago and just pop it back up. <laughs> and I bet it will still go viral and it will help keep that momentum going yeah. as well, maybe. And God knows I have an unlimited camera roll full of trips and pictures that I can yeah. still share that I've never even, that have never seen the light of day. Yeah, And yeah. I feel bad for those photos. They're all sitting there on the hard drives waiting to be posted. Would and, you ever outsource the editing? Maybe uh, that's the first thing to think I think about. I could do a better job of just, to be honest, after I hit post, I'm like, oh, whew, I'm good for a few days at least. I don't think about posting again for a while. And then once I realize, oh my God, it's been seven days, I have to post something. Then I'm like, oh, great, here we go. And I had to start scrolling through my options and seeing what works because I still plan my grid. I look at my feed, making sure that the colors are spread out evenly. And that will stop me from posting. If I don't mm. feel like I have the right color to, to go up next, I have to wait. Me too. So it's just a little, it's a lot. But as far as taking my business outside of in Instagram, yeah. which for a while now, I've wondered how long is this wave going to go on for that we're riding? Yeah. Because it feels like it has a just social media and this world of making money by posting on Instagram might not always be there. It's going to end eventually. I mean, we all saw what happened to MySpace. Facebook has pretty much died off except for, you know, high school friends and people like that. It's just everything has a has a expiration date, it feels like. And mm. uh, I wonder how long I'm going to be getting these offers. How yeah. long will I stay busy? You know, is there going to be a time? And I thought during the pandemic, it was going to drastically yeah. slow down. But then brands started finding the ways opposite, yeah. to hire creators to do stuff at home. Yeah. So during the pandemic, I got hired to produce TV, like mm-hmm. out of nowhere. I got an email from Dancing with the Stars and they were like, we love your Instagram. We're looking for a producer that can create cool things, but on a smaller footprint. You know, we don't need a huge production team for this. And I'm like, oh, well, I usually just work with me and one person. So this is perfect. But that I did two seasons of Dancing with the Stars. And I thought maybe this is where my career is going to go. Is this like the new door that's open that's going to lead to more and more TV work? And it hasn't yet. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really put myself out there as a TV producer. But that was good experience. I learned a lot from those two years. It was yeah. not easy. And it's definitely limiting. The, it limits your creativity because you yeah. can only do so much with hair and makeup and talent and it's just I felt so restricted Mm. I really couldn't do what I wanted to do but at least you know that you can take your skill set and bring it to many other industries and areas and you can still do this even if let's say Instagram disappeared tomorrow Mm -hmm. you would have this really great portfolio and skill set to to take with you I think I'll be an advertiser for a long time yeah I, I feel like that's my path that's my that's what I've created for my you know next five or ten years ahead Mm -hmm. But I would like to make music videos. I would Mm. like to work on a longer film, you know, something that's maybe not, not, maybe not hyperlapse, not stop motion, but just a really good movie that has my particular eye for composition or color or whatever. So maybe that's the future. But are you looking at any particular platform? Not platform. I'm just trying to be open minded about, you know, all these skills that I've developed over the years. What, what could that lead me into? Yeah. Yeah. If it's not going to be Instagram anymore. Yes. Which would be sad. So I guess there's no end goal for you. It's ultimately just continuing to be a creative no matter where your, this takes you. Yeah. I mean, I'm 34 and I feel like right now I'm in the middle of my, the prime of my career. Like, I don't know how it could get better than, than, how how it's going now i mean obviously i would i could make a lot more money and have a lot more followers but i'm content with where i'm at and i feel like it, it's a good place i'm getting to make art and 
challenge myself with these projects. I'm getting to travel. Yeah. You know, I have still enough time to go to the gym for an hour a day. Yeah. You know, it's just like there's certain things that I I feel like my life is kind of on the right trajectory and I'm not sure where it's going to be in 10 years, but maybe I'll still live in California. Yeah. You have freedom, you have an amazing community, you have financial security. Yeah. I mean that that's really like the best of all worlds yeah. in one career. Well, now that LinkedIn is becoming popular again, I did like update my profile and oh. uh, you know, some of my animator friends are sharing their work on there and then getting noticed by brands okay. and getting new jobs. Oh. So, it's a good idea to basically present yourself mm. as a photographer or right. an advertiser on LinkedIn because, yeah. you know, I could become an art director at Nike yeah. one day, maybe, or something like that, where it's not related to social media, but you're still using those skills to create. Yeah. So, so put your best work on LinkedIn, guys. Yeah, it's a seriously. new way to get discovered. I mean, and the people that are on LinkedIn are involved in the business world. That's it's right. a, it's, they're not as obsessed with Instagram as we are. Those are people that are hiring and networking and mm -hmm. working on that professional level that mm. that's where the budgets are. Yes, yes, yes. Great tip. I'm definitely going to go back and update my LinkedIn profile. I haven't updated it in like seven years since I yeah. quit my job. So Well, they're doing a, they're like, they've not rebranded, but they've yeah. made profiles a bigger importance. You know, you mm -hmm. can share your, your videos and your mm -hmm. pictures and create a sense of community on there. So Yeah, yeah. Well, it has been a very informative talk. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the pod and chatting in this brand new car that you're actually working with for yeah. a campaign. And it was just very insightful to hear how your creative process works and also where your mind is going for the future as a creative, even though it's, there's so much uncertainty. Right. Like you, you're not phased. Like you're still very happy and confident and content. I think yeah. that's such a beautiful quality too for creators to have. Yeah. So. I feel like, you know, the future, I'm excited to see where creativity and technology are going to take us yeah. because yeah. it's those two things together that have kept my interest in this lifestyle for so long. Mm -hmm. You know, as new technology and equipment comes out, so do new ideas. They come from the, that type of gear. So yeah. I think you're inspired by trying new cameras. You have, yeah. look at all the three cameras you have set up here and your Insta360 stuff and you're pushing yourself with technology as well. So yeah. I'm imagining our careers will keep developing as the new next version of this camera comes out. That's right. That's right. So where can people find you? Oh, you can find me anywhere on social media at a sense of Huber. And my last name is Huber. So that's where this brand name comes from. Yeah. Do you have you YouTube? Yes, it's on YouTube, everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, you name it. Yeah. I'm there. Okay. Thank you so much again for coming on. And thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.